podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to a new show here on AI. This is going to be called The Season Review Show, and it's going to be co-hosted by myself and my guest at this time, Nina. How are you doing, Nina? I'm good, thank you. It feels very strange to be in the guest seat, because usually, you know, I do um, uh, I do all the questioning around here. So. <laughs> <laughs> it is strange, it is strange. I have to, I have to get used to that myself as well. Um, but yeah, as we say, this will be a season review where me and Nina are going to host various AI contributors are going to put a couple of them together for the show. And how how else to start off is myself and Nina. So Nina, your overall thoughts on the season? It's been a up and down one, I think it's fair to say. It has been. And I think, uh, you know, overall, when you look at the kind of the expectations that you had going into the season as well, and, you know, people thought, oh, Liverpool will finish fourth. I remember some of the top pundits saying, oh, Liverpool will finish fourth. People thought, you know, that's it. It'll be Chelsea and Manchester City. And you kind of look at how the season went and, you know, Liverpool winning two trophies. They were in for the quadruple. Um, Overall, I know at the end you sit there and you kind of think, ah, you know, we missed on two biggies. But you have to just sit here at the end and kind of... um, be incredibly proud of the season that we've had because I will always compare it to you know the, the season previous where I was just constantly constantly disappointed with the results mm. the performances the injuries like everything that could have gone horribly wrong for us did and I'll compare it to that season constantly and the fact that Liverpool won two trophies are in chance to win four I think it was just fine margins of just Liverpool not having that nearly nearly perfect season um uh, but I think also Maybe on the flip side to that, maybe it's a little bit of a blessing because it definitely looks like Liverpool do have to add a little bit more into this squad. Not much, just a little bit more to just take them to the next level. And you know what? You have to kind of hold your hands up and say we are up against a horrible beast in Manchester City because I genuinely do believe that this Liverpool side is probably one of the best that a lot of Liverpool fans have seen, even the older ones. Yeah, certainly is. I mean, in my lifetime, the only ones that compare to it is is Klopp's. <laughs> it's Klopp's other team. So yeah, yeah. it's it's a, it's a strange one. But uh, it, it's been a season of of many many memorable matches. Have you got a favourite one? I was thinking about this right, and the one that everyone will talk about is the one that I didn't watch because you were covering. So I'm going to go for the one that I did watch. So I'm talking about the Man United five 0 trashing. Um, which I didn't get to watch. And you know what? You got to host both of the Man United uh, matches, didn't you? You did both of the post-match shows, which I was actually quite jealous about. So I'm <laughs> going to go with the one that we played quite recently and the 4-0 at Anfield, um, purely because... Um, 
first of all, um, I watched the game, also the time frame that it was in as well. Um, for anyone that doesn't know, that game took place during Ramadan. So all day I was calm and I was zen and I was, you know, in, in a really, really high peak state in mentally. And then that game comes on and I just turned incredibly tribal. And it was probably one of those games that I've been fantasizing about when I was a young kid saying how I'd like to just absolutely crush Man United because they were the thorn in my side growing up, even in my, in, in my adult years as well. And that game just sort of, for me, um, I don't know, was quite symbolic in terms of where we are and where they are. I mean, you know, Luis Diaz opening up the scoring. I mean, I remember that game. United, they didn't even, like, try or test us the once. And I sit there, and then obviously Mosala with two and Sadio Mane. But it was just, it was routine. It was like a training exercise. And obviously, I have a lot of Man United supporters in my family and people that I know. And I just remember just those two games in general, but the one that I actually watched, um, it was um, quite satisfying for me to watch, even though United are nowhere near where they were. But, you know, the fact that they kind of bought like Ronaldo, Jadon Sancho, you know, they really bolstered up their squad. Mm-hmm. And you kind of look at how, it, you know, over, on aggregate, we beat them 9-0. <laughs> it's fun, though, isn't it? It's always great. So I grew up, I grew up just after the Danny Murphy ones where he scored every game for some oh, reason. Yes, yes, yes. So this is the kind of the first time. Yeah, yeah, so Rafa just couldn't be bothered beating them until we beat them 4-1 at Old Trafford. That was about mm-hmm. it, I think. So this just season's been great. But uh, that game was also on my birthday as well, so that was a really nice day for me. Oh, yeah, I completely forgot. Yes, and you know what? What a legend Guy Drinkle is because obviously it was just such a really bad time because of Ramadan, but this guy stepped up and hosted that show on his birthday. And you know what? Club gifted you three points and uh, yeah, awesome stuff. Usually really awesome. I was losing my birthday. So, you know, you're quite a lucky one there. I, I don't know. The last, I think the last birthday I remember having a game on was the Aston Villa semi-final. So mm. maybe, maybe not, <laughs> mm. uh, but at least that's right. Wipe that memory away. Uh, but have you got a favorite moment from this season? Oh, man, right. I'm going to have to say my favourite moment was, like, obviously I host the post-match Nina Kauser show and uh, me and my guests, we always, always kind of fantasise at the beginning of the season of um, a Joel Matip goal. And, mm. uh, you know, you, you see those marauding runs from centre <laughs> back into midfield. And then when he gets into the final third, he kind of loses control of his limbs. And I think for me, it has to be when he finally brought that duck against um Leeds United it was just um it was a joyous occasion um I I adore that guy and uh, you know he's had quite an interesting season as well you know I felt like he kind of fell off a little but he's been chipping in with the goals but for me that was probably uh, I think I laughed more than celebrated uh he took it quite well he's actually scored quite some more right goals this season actually they've not been too shoddy but yeah Joel Matip um uh, finally finally knowing what to do in 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 the opposition uh, box was um, quite a memorable one for me. I, I can't lie. Um, I think there's been loads of iconic moments. I also I, I have to give a little uh, side uh, side mention. Actually, it was pretty iconic. Um, was um, Alice and Becker mimicking Pickford? Oh, oh yes, that's a shout. 
that yeah, is a shout that. yeah I, you know like because when you think of Alison Becker and he's he's got the nickname of holy goalie and you know he's he seems you know like a, a righteous holy man and he's just there taking a mick out of Pickford and then the camera actually pans in and zooms in on Pickford's face it's just iconic a non-football related iconic moment for me Anything that disparages Jordan Pickford or, or Richarlison by extension. Yes. It's just the moment of the season because yeah. two of the most hated, well, two of my personally most hated. Yes, I, 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 I echo them. that. Cannot stand them. Can't stand it. And he's been fighting with the Brazil team as well. Which is I fun. believe so. Vinny Jr., right? Yeah. Yeah. Which I don't mind. I don't, I don't think I'd be siding with Vinny Jr. after what he just did against us, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Football and tribalism go yeah. hand in hand. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, let's get on to the bad stuff then. It's it's not fun, but worst match and worst moment, I'm, I'm guessing they're going to be quite recent. They are quite recent. So I was again, you know, you think about this, and like, like we, like I've just like alluded to at the beginning of the pod, like you know, it has been a really good season, and you have to be proud. You know, two trophies, domestic cups. You know, that myth has been busted that Jurgen Klopp does not take the cup seriously. I still don't. Not gonna lie, but I'm glad that we won two. You know, it's it's still a massive success. But you look back at, you know, the two biggies that we didn't win and I will go back to two games where we completely dominated and um, had we, you know, been more clinical with our finishing, um, you know, things could have been very different this season. And of course, I'm talking about the first game was the Leicester City one, you know, um, Mm -hmm. just after Christmas. And I look back to that and people will look at, you know, the the Spurs game that we drew quite recently or or the draw against Man City and kind of think, well, that's where we lost the league. For me, it was that kind of game that, you know, had that been three points, because Liverpool were the dominating side, you know, they had all the control. And that one for me could have like definitely, you know, could have been, that was the, the, the game when I look back now and I think maybe had we won that, you know, things could have been very different. And, I think the most recent has to be probably one of the most frustrating finals I've ever seen. Um, you know, Liverpool against Real Madrid, you know, um, I think just um, how it went, you know, um, even from like the starting, I didn't do a Euro incision, I was just too broken about it. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I, yeah, I'm a bad loser like that. But, you know, even when you look at the starting lineup and, you know, I looked at that starting lineup and I was like, oh, you know, I think it would have been so much better if um you know, maybe like a Firmino started and mm-hmm. Yaz comes on later because I just felt like they kept doubling up on him and I felt like he kind of lost his way a little in that game and I love Luis Diaz, but I just felt like it was just too much. I just felt like, you know, when you play a team like Real Madrid, you really, really need to be in a position where you are clinical in front of goal. Um, I think they've demonstrated that throughout the entire tournament in terms of how they got to the final. And, you know, Liverpool faced them where I, I think it's fair to say that they haven't been clinical in front of goal. And, you know, you look back at that and it was just a deeply, deeply frustrating game. And, you know, I do think Liverpool were the better side, certainly in the first half, kind of lost their way in the second. But I look at that game and I just think, oh, man, why did that happen again? You know, one-off game. And had Liverpool been their usual self where, you know, pretty much everything they touch, um, you know, pretty much ends up into the back of the net. And Courtois just having one of them games, you know, as the game went on and he's making them saves, you know, as hopeful as we are as Liverpool supporters, and you have to believe till the very end, you know, you started watching some of them saves and you start thinking, and I was thinking it, like, maybe today isn't the day. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I, I was with you there. I think as soon as they went one off, one up, it was just like, oh, why is it Real Madrid? <laughs> yes. If it was any other team, you'd be like, we'd probably be all right. Because I think everyone was like, we don't want to play a Man City in the final. And then as soon as Real Madrid won, everyone was like, oh, no, we have to play Real Madrid now. <laughs> They're just relentless. They don't stop. I mean, yeah. like, they give us a, a warning sign, at, you know, like at the end of the first half where they scored a goal and it was offside. And, you know, be, I mean, first of all, that final was just farcical. I'm, you know, like everything w- was fundamentally wrong about it. You know, like the, the organisation, the fan treatment, it was absolutely disgusting. And for me, that kind of set the tone in terms of, how this might pan out. And I watched the game with my nephew and he was like, obviously the delay, the delay, the delay. And I was just like, you know, this doesn't look good and this won't feel good. And obviously the, 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 the bogus announcement in the stadium that Liverpool fans have arrived late and that's, you know, like just the whole bullshit of it. And, Mm -hmm. And I also feel like, I don't know. I mean, I'm not a trained psychologist. I don't know what go through players' minds. But that, I do feel that maybe, I'm, I'm not making excuses for the way Liverpool played, but that does a, that sh- must affect, you know, the players, mm-hmm. the staff, everything, you know, and what's going on with our fans. It was just a horrible, it was farcical. It was absolutely shocking by the organisers. And shame on, shame on UEFA and shame on, you know, um, French the, government. the local authorities, yeah, yeah, and the French government, because it was awful. And, um, yeah, it was just an overall shit show, and um, I, I hope questions get answered. Yeah, and you, you, I don't think it'll go quiet. I think we've seen... Well, it's mm-hmm. the first time we've ever heard Billy Hogan speak, so that's probably something to be scared yes. about. Um, but, yeah, that's, that, I think that's going to be a lot of people's answers for that. Um, it, 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 it was just a horrid, horrid time. Um, Back on the positive stuff, and this one was probably a lock in around January time, but in the second half of the season, a couple of players stepped up, a couple of players fell away, but player of the year, Nina, it might be a debatable one or it might be quite straightforward. It's really, really hard, right? Because you sit there and you think, well, he played well and he played well and then he peaked. Because, you know, Marcelo started the season really well and then slowly we saw a little peak inside Yomane's performances. Um, you know, Alison Beckham, for me, has been uh, pretty consistent mm-hmm. all season. And then you buy a player like Diaz who completely changed the complexion of our attack in January. You know, like, I'm really, really excited to see what he brings for the entire season you know he's been an absolute nightmare to play against but I have to kind of look around and I have to say the injury and the nature of injury that you know Thiago's been phenomenal as well pulling the strings but when I think of the nature of injury that Virgil van Dijk had Mm. and maybe there were questions about what kind of player comes back and will he be the same yeah for me his um his healing his um progression into um getting fitness i i can't ignore that and i can't discount that he he looks completely unfazed I, you know the fact that he got this very serious injury and he still came back being the best center back in the world uh you know that is pretty incredible and that's pretty remarkable and i think from a consistent level i have to give a shout out for that and i think again liverpool have just done apps and again he was a january signing as well but i also have to give him as you know i have to give a massive special mention to um virgil van dyke for me he has been incredible and i just think it just shows what kind of player he is 
and just what he leads. And I also feel like, you know, we've been very, very impressed with Ibrahima Konate. And um, mm-hmm. I think those kind of players really, really settle when they've got a, a general in defence in, in a player like Virgil van Dijk. So I have to give a special nod to uh, Virgil van Dijk. I know, you know, people always look at the attack and things, but last year we were just leaking goals. And um, yeah, I think Virgil van Dijk has uh, been phenomenal. Um also, um, if we're talking about a half a player season kind of guy, I think, you know, I think you have to say Liverpool made the signing in terms of Luis Diaz. You, mm. you can't ignore that. You know, that was probably the smartest business in, in the winter window. Yeah, definitely. I mean, dragging Man City back to 14 points, I think it was. Mm. If he didn't sign in January, I think we would have still improved and maybe caught them up a bit. But I don't think the title race would have went anywhere near the last year. Yeah. But yeah, well, Van Dyke's an interesting shot. I wasn't expecting that one, but I think you're, you're absolutely right. I think we do think, maybe it might just be me, but I think the fan base does take him for granted at times because, well, you just look at the impact. Even the games recently when it was Kanate and Matip, we still looked a bit frazzled without him. So it's a really it's a really interesting shout. I reckon, I reckon Dave might make that shout as well. I'm not sure who else will. But, uh... You know, I grew up appreciating centre-backs and obviously we as Liverpool supporters have had um, the misfortune of seeing some very, very below-par centre-backs. And like you said, people take it for granted. I, I don't think it's because, oh, it's Virgil van Dijk. I think people just expect him to have that peak level mm. of performance. Like I've hosted some, I've hosted like many um, post-match shows and, you know, Virgil van Dijk always has a decent game and sometimes we won't even talk about it because that is just the level that we expect from him. I think that's where we've come to now as as Liverpool as a football club, uh, you know, in terms of there are so many quality quality world-class players here that you you expect that from them and when they kind of fall off, that's when the microscope's on them, like, oh, you had a bad game today. You know, Mm. uh, back in the day where, if, like, for example, no disrespect, but if Dejan Lovren had a good game, uh, people would talk about it for weeks and weeks and weeks because it surprised you. Yeah. This is Virgil van Dijk and, you know, he is a quality, quality centre-back. I've also really enjoyed the fact that for majority of the Champions League as well, he was kind of captain because Jordan Henderson was sort of featuring from the bench. I kind of really liked him leading the team out as a captain as well. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's probably... Not not to disrespect Henderson, but we might see more and more of it considering the links. But we'll uh, we'll come on to the uh, potential signings in a min. Um, but yeah, favorite podcast you've either listened to from AI, or if you just want to plug a random podcast, feel free, Nina, <laughs> or one that you've taken part in. Oh, this is actually a really really good one. I think the one that I kind of really enjoyed quite recently, and it just made me laugh and. It was probably, um, it was the Gags and uh, Cam podcast uh, for the FA Cup where they kind of like, you know, like you have vlogs, but they kind of uh, Mm. podcasted the events of their day and, you know, basically their tyre going flat and, you know, the the guy that kind of assisted them. at the garage was an Evertonian and <laughs> just their, their journey of the day and, you know, Cam getting chased by stewards and having to take his top off. It was just, it was just like, it was just typical Cam down to a T and I'm not seeing Cam much <laughs> this year. And, you know, just the fact that, that, you know, they had that kind of day and it was Cam and Gags and obviously them lot all meeting up with everyone. And also the fact that it was, 
maybe an enjoyable pod in a sense that because Liverpool actually won a trophy but I I had a lot of laughs listening to that because Cam was just being himself and um, you wouldn't have him any other way and Gag's just constantly just taking the piss out of him so for me I really really enjoyed that podcast um, just purely because um, it was light entertainment in, in a football sense but I think that you know there's been so many, so many great, great podcasts. I think AI Scouted has just been absolutely phenomenal when you don't know anything about a team. Those two lads always step up and really, you know, spill the tea on who who we're playing. I think, you know, I also think, you know, Rival Recon and, um, and you know, uh, Harinda getting in his guest who sort of um, really, really speak in depth about, you know, their respective team has been great. But for mm-hmm. me, uh, for my personal thing, I've just really enjoyed um, hosting the Nina Kauser show back again. Uh, this season has been difficult for me for personal reasons. And, you know, you, you were very good to kind of take over because I just was not feeling the football mm-hmm. or the content. You know, I have to be completely real. And towards the end, you know, some of the guests that I've had, you know, Themis on Euro Incision as well, you know, the guests that I've had on Nina Cows, so the, the the football that's been, been that was being played by the Reds as well, kind of, um, I don't know, reignited that spark again for me. So, you know, it's because you work with good people, you have a good team and uh, yeah. So, and that, that podcast with Gags as well, just um. It was almost like I was there with them because they are so stupid. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Listening to Cam on the main pod is uh, is fun, um, but yeah, it it it's been a it's been an odd see. I know you've gone through uh, your personal stuff as well. I won't bring up what it actually was, but yeah, it, it's great that you're back in love with football again and and hopefully in the right mindset. Um, but before we finish, we do have to take a little look at, at next season, Nina I, transfer window. It, it's all it's all the jazz, but yeah, expectations for this transfer window and what that leads on to next season. What do you want from next season as well? I think one thing that I kind of um, highlight, you know, when I said we just need a little bit of reinforcement into the team, you know, nothing like stupid crazy. You know, you never look at this team and think, you know, after that final, I wasn't one of them thinking, oh, all these players need binning and I need a brand new squad. I'm not that reactionary fan. Mm-hmm. First of all, I hate the transfer window because we, uh, I just think it's rumour mill. I think one thing that was very, very apparent for me, Guy, was um, in that final, there's a lot of crosses, but I felt like we were truly, truly lacking maybe a proper number nine. Mm you know, a proper centre forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like we're very, very clinical in wide areas. We just need somebody who's going to be really, really aggressive, um, you know, as as a centre forward. I think that is an area that we need to address most definitely. Um, I know we're being, I've, I've seen the I've seen the links to Lewandowski. I just think he might be a little bit old and his player profile might not be that of what we look for right now. I know we signed Thiago, but he's a little bit younger. I think we definitely need a centre forward. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure uh, Carl Matchett and Dave Hendrick will have um, some names and some lists. But I definitely think a centre forward. Um, I think the attack is decent. Um, I'm, it's kind of heartbreaking because you're seeing obviously links with like people like Sadio Mane leaving. I think there's rumours about Mo Salah next season as well. But I guess. This is football, right? You have to just keep mm-hmm. reinventing yourself. And, you know, they have been, I mean, Sadio Mane has been an excellent servant to Liverpool. I also quite like the link to um, Rafinha from uh, Leeds United. Um, yeah. I really do like that one. I think that's one that I think Liverpool fans um, have been kind of 
eyeballing for you know at least a season I think that one seems realistic and it seems like it's that kind of player that Jurgen Klopp would look at and he might actually fit our system but I think definitely more more in in an attacking sense and that that would be absolutely grand for me um just in that regard also maybe um I think you know there was also the two the many um uh, they you know kind of a backup or a kind of a player to play with um Fabinho. I think he might be going to Real Madrid. Yeah, I think we might like lose out on that one. But I think maybe just I think we just need like little backups. I mean, I think Cavalli is coming from Fulham as well. I'm quite excited about him because he's more of a number ten. It might change the dynamics of how we 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 field in the midfield as well. It's just going to be really interesting. But I definitely think we we need a proper a, a proper target man in in the box if we're going to be um, launching them. Um, you know, putting a lot of nice crosses in. Yeah, yeah, I think that'll be quite a popular answer once we go through these, but. Uh... Next season, it's obviously a tough one with, with Man City signing Haaland. They signed that Argentinian yes. kid as well. And obviously, they'll spend 80 mil on fullbacks because that's what they do. Um, but as you say, we're linked with people. We had such a strong 2022, mm. whereas they fell off a bit. Is it is it just going to be another one where we at least hope for a title challenge and then it's basically luck that decides that we, again, like you look back at this season and, you know, like you said, Man City were 14 points ahead of us. And, uh, you know, I spoke about that uh, Leicester City game where we lost. And at that point, I threw in the towel thinking, we can't chase this. You know, like they are just too good. And like you said, they kind of um, had a bit of a, a wobble in 2022. I don't think they are as infallible as, you know, people say they are. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. they are going to get stronger evidently I still think like you know that gives me hope though the fact that you know they did drop some points and they can be a little bit careless and they you know they they do have vulnerabilities and I do think that this team and even Pep as well is probably guilty of overthinking things I think what and when you look back at season it's just that oh had we beat that had we beat um Leicester City or had we beat um you know um Brighton and Brentford, you know, those stupid draws that we had, you know, it's just ifs and buts. I think Liverpool, they are, Man City are very, very strong, but I think Liverpool just have to focus on what they have to do and kind of win and, you know, uh, win their games and apply as much pressure on Man City because one thing I think we can all agree on, you know, they don't like the pressure. Mm. And, you know, Liverpool have beaten them to the league in the past. It's just about how Liverpool kind of start off. And that was the reason why actually Liverpool won the league in 2020 was because Liverpool started off the season so well. And obviously this season, what kind of factored in for us was a few of those um, silly little draws, but also the injuries in midfield as well. I wasn't watching football, but I I had my eye on the fact that, you know, there were some injuries Mm -hmm. at the beginning of the season. And, you know, a lot of it's luck, isn't it? And I think every time Liverpool seasons have kind of slightly derailed, it has been due to injuries. Yeah, yeah, I think it has as well. I think the injuries, I think we play, I'm pretty sure we played Milner and Naby in midfield three games in a row, which, wow. yeah. It's, uh, I am then, so glad you covered them games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was fun. Uh, the Brighton one where we were 2-0 up and Naby got injured. It was really fun, that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is it. I mean, that's it, but 
stick around because the second half, it'll be Nina in the hosting seat and I'll be answering these questions as well. But we might just put the ad in here because it'll be cleaner, but we'll be back in a sec. Hey guys, welcome back to a special AI Pro Plus podcast, the season review. Myself and Guy Drinkle have just switched seats. Um, I'll be hosting and he will be answering all the questions. So um, I gave it away, Guy. Uh, welcome back as, as a guest. <laughs> In a while. <laughs> it's been a long time. How yeah, it's been, I'm good, I'm good. It's been good in the last uh, five minutes whilst I was waiting for the file to convert. <laughs> oh, happy days, happy days. Right, okay. So, I'm sure listeners have listened to the first little part of the podcast. Um, now it's your turn. Uh, it's only fair. You know, if you, if you dish out the questions, you're going to have to do some answering. So, um, Guy, this season... Um, your thoughts on it you know it's it's been a very interesting season i think like you said it has been a bit of an emotional roller coaster it's almost like that famous quote from the godfather just when i thought i was out they pull me mm. back in you know it's been one of those seasons so you know what enough about me people know how i felt about the season your turn yeah i think roller coaster is, is the right term for it i i think you mentioned on yours the leicester game was when you gave up I, it was probably the Chelsea draw just before AFCON for me, where it's just, we've fallen so far behind. But the second half of the season, we won two cups. We dragged a 14 lead back to one. It it was it was basically mental. Like, it just was. The fact that we dragged in Man City, like, I don't think it's the strongest version of Man City. We've seen better. I think the Sane team from years back was better. Um but to do what we did, bring in new players. I mean, Diaz obviously gets a lot of the headlines, but to see the development of someone like Ibu Kanata, yes. and you just think, wow, we've gone from Skirtle, Lovren, Sacco, whoever, legend, Clavan, and now Kanata was our third choice centre-back for most mm-hmm. of the season. It's just, just look at the development we've made. But it's before May... The season was just ramping up to be one of the most special in, in anyone's lifetime, not just mine. And then the last two games happened and it's just ended on such a a damp squib. It's it's so weird to have such a promising season end the way it does. But I think as long longer the summer goes on and the longer I reflect on it, it'll come back as a, a happy season more than anything. But it's just the fact that our two biggest negatives, which is obviously one of the questions, was the last two games of the season. It just kind of hit you once. And then as we'll get into the Champions League final, was such a mess for many different reasons. Mm. It hits you twice in, in, in the space of a week. It was just a, a horrible week. Um, but no, it was a really good, it was a really good season. But we just have to get over that last week. We really do. And I think people always reflect on the last, you know, the last month and the last two games, which we'll talk to in about in a minute. But, you know, you, you kind of summarise the, um, the season pretty well. And, you know, in terms of peak, in terms of the peak of Liverpool, I didn't mention this on my section, but I want to get your thoughts on this. But April, where people looked at that and thought, that's Liverpool season done. 
they are going to get absolutely frazzled here with all the games that Liverpool had to play and the big games that Liverpool had to play as well. Like, you know, like there was like some semi-finals in there, yada, yada, yada. There was just so much going on. But I think April was like maybe where the belief was really, really high as, as a Liverpool supporter and just watching the Reds. And I think a lot of opposition supporters and, you know, the, the, the media as well were kind of, hoping this is where the wheels fall off for Liverpool. So I think maybe that was probably the height of the heights for Liverpool. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, it's a strange one. I'm just looking up when um, Man City played Tottenham. I can't remember what month that was in. Um, That was in February. So a bit earlier than that. But I think when Man City started dropping points, that's kind of for me when when the belief came back in. But April, yeah, we had semi-final, quarter-final. Um, we had so many mad games. It, it, it was just... It, it was a... It, it was strange, because I can't remember who we played, but didn't we play United, Everton... Was it Spurs? A three in a row, something like that. And I think we had another game in there. And then we had the Champions League stuff, the FA Cup mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. It... it and I think it was the start of April where people were saying we could have played Man City four times in a row or something like yeah. that. And everyone and everyone was just like, oh, God, one game is bad enough against yeah. Man City. Uh, but it fortunately, it didn't bloody happen. Um, but yeah, April was the hot, was the hard one. But I think when you see results like the Man United one, which was just funny, uh, which we mentioned on your half of the show, it, it it's the stresses of football and obviously we you cover all the Premier League games um, and I, I cover Raw as well so we're always kind of engrossed in the game on multiple levels it's not just as a fan you're probably taking notes I, I have to stay on for an hour and then edit stuff for another half an hour afterwards so we're kind of just yeah. like this is going to be a long night yeah. <laughs> uh, when, when stuff goes to extra time like the, the, both the cup finals when they went to extra time it was like Oh, God, I just wanted to be done. Uh, but yeah, it, it was a, the April was a, was a tough month. But at least we avoided the four repeat of Man City games. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Um, it, it definitely was um, a very interesting month and so many games. I just remember, like, you couldn't digest one result and then it was another game. Um, but this is what happens, I suppose, when you literally have to play every game that is humanly possible in, in a season, and the Reds did it. So, you know what? Shout out to them. Guy, your favourite match now, you have been covering a lot of post-match shows. Um, certainly at the beginning of the season, you stepped in a fair bit for myself. I can't thank you enough. Um, and obviously, you've watched a lot of games. Sometimes you didn't take notes, which is quite a nice little luxury to have, not going to lie. So, <laughs> um, you know, you actually watch it like a fan um, who's supporting the team rather than being all analytical. So, Guy Drinkle, it's been a memorable season, but what has been your favourite match? I think it was the semi-final against Man City. Ooh. I think just the level we played at in that first half was something yes. I've not seen from us like ever mm-hmm. and Thiago was just basically filth in that game because <laughs> I, I know Man City didn't play their strongest team but it was strong enough they still had 100 million pound players on and stuff like that but Thiago basically took the piss um, and the way we controlled it I know Man City came back into it but it never really felt like we were going to lose it Um it, it was a special one. It, 
it links onto my favourite podcast one later on as well. But covering the cup games, when Eddie asked me at the start of the season, like, we don't normally do Raw for the cup games because we're usually out by the third round. Do you want to do them? Because Trev and Dave can't be bothered, basically. I was like, oh, yeah, fine. I'll do free podcasts. Why not? <laughs> and then it ended up being all, all of the all of the podcasts. Um, but but... You just mentioned there, mm. we played Man City in the league before that. that... Yes. And that's what I was like, oh, imagine if it was the other way around. I remember sitting there thinking, like, the way we absolutely um, battered them in that first half. Oh, gosh, yes. Yeah, yeah, because it was, if I remember correctly, the league game was quite, it was a played at a really high level, but it was quite even at the same time, whereas the cup game, it was just us, especially the first half, just dominating. So it was like almost not chalk and cheese, but it was showing the levels that we can get to if we play at our best. Yeah. So yeah, it, that that's probably my favorite one because let's be honest, beating Man United nowadays, like we see Crystal Palace do it for fun. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's not, but it, it is like the I think they lost the Crystal Palace on the yes, last game, did. and no, yes, nobody nobody even talked about it because it was just like, well, yeah. <laughs> Palace are probably better, but yeah, beating beating that Man City team in the way we did, it, it, yeah, that was a special game for me. I like that. You, you know, again, it's something that you, I've just completely forgotten. I remembered it, but like, I like that shout. It's uh, it's a bit of a hipster shout, and I think a lot of people enjoy that. And also, it's also worth noting as well that result absolutely, the scoreline absolutely, um, in my opinion. Um, flattered Man City because in that first half it was it was a joke it was just such easy watching and even like you said when they scored them goals I was I was calm you know I was just like no it's okay we're cool we're good but yes um uh, that semi-final the way Liverpool came out full-on aggression um you you love to see it right Guy Drinkle so that was your favorite match what was your favourite moment? Now, I did something, didn't I? I spoke about a favourite moment on and off the pitch. I mean, it's up to you. You you go wherever you want to go. Well, I've kind of got one that's almost off the pitch. and One's that's out the stadium. Um, I think my favourite moment was Kepa getting subbed on for Chelsea in the middle of all the penalty <laughs> duo. Oh, yes! <laughs> I, I was like, Mendy was their man of the match the entire game. And then I saw Kepa come and I was like, I know he's done all right in penalty shootouts before, but Mendy's like 12 foot tall and massive. So I'm just like, yeah. cool. Yeah. And then, as soon, then it got around to, well, keepers taking penalties. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> this is this is going to be narrative football type, type stuff. But I mean, Kelleher taking the pen. I, and I don't think anyone expected it to get that far. Although we have had long penalty shootouts in the past, I mean, the Borough one where it went to yes. about tw- 20 all or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think a mix of Kepa getting subbed on and the meme that, that became and Kelleher scoring his penalty. Because I've never... I think we all like the domestic cups as Liverpool fans, but we crave the Premier League and the Champions League. But this season's almost made us fall back in love with the domestic cups and the fact that our keeper scored the winning penalty to get the league cup it was almost too magical a moment and of course Jimmy Casper the FA Cup as well yes, you know exactly. like you know like un, like the the 
the unusual heroes that you know kind of saw us over the finish line yeah i love the fact that kepa got subbed on to save a penalty and he actually didn't save a single penalty and then uh, i think skied his which was yeah. quite um quite hilarious it's somewhere in the orbit with lovrens but that's another podcast for another day uh, guy um you've kind of alluded to this like worst match yeah i think <laughs> My worst match and worst moment will be different. I think my worst match was the Wolves game, the last game of the season. Because Man City were losing and we weren't winning. And that just put me in such a horrid position. I was basically arguing. My dad told him to F off. I ended up going upstairs to watch the rest <laughs> of the game. Um, so basically that was that for me. And just the stress of when we won, Man City were winning. It was just like, can I not have 10 minutes of fucking fun on this day? Yeah. Even if we uh, got that against Brighton, right? A few seasons, yeah. Like five minutes of like, I don't know, pure joy and ecstasy. Absolutely. I love that out. And I actually was going to mention that the fact that we, it was never in our hands. Like, even though Villa were doing their bit, we weren't doing ours. But that Absolutely. That, that just made, that made it worse for me. It, it, it was just the fact, if we just pissed through Wolves and then it was like, oh, great, and then Man City, actually, no, that probably would have made it more of an Aguero moment, which might have been more annoying. It may have worked out for the better, but at the time, it was basically heartbreaking. And, yeah, I swore at my dad, so that's kind of not good. Terrible, <laughs> uh, terrible. Yes. Plus, he's a big dude. He could beat me up, so, you know. Um, but, yeah, that, that, was, that was just a horrid day for me, and it almost made me, like, just, not asked about the Champions League because I was just so down for that week. <laughs> oh. well, you know what? It's a good job we do podcasting because mm. I'm sure Guy Drinker would have had two black eyes there for um, yes. uh, <laughs> a very nice dad. But yeah, no, that that is a, a good shot because I remember Mo Salah scored and he thought we done good. And I think somebody, I, I saw it on social media, somebody sort of um, actioned him with their fingers that what score mm-hmm. it's over over at the Etihad so yeah and then he just looked completely um, uh, frazzled by uh, by what he had heard or you know what the fans yeah so that so that was um, your worst moment that was my worst match my worst moment it, it, it is Paris and it's not the game itself I think when it was announced that the game was going to be delayed yeah then you hop onto Twitter and you see everyone, you see the videos, you see people getting, yes. firstly, you saw the story saying I've been pepper sprayed and stuff like that. We're getting crushed, mm. etc. And then as the night goes on, you see the videos and I'm sure everyone's seen the one where that lad's literally just trying to scan his ticket and gets pepper sprayed. I think the more, yeah, absolutely. And that, that's the worst moment for multiple reasons. Cause the bullshit that's happening outside, you're like, what the fuck are they doing? This is France. This is France. It, the, the original final was meant to be in Russia. How is France less safe than Russia at the minute? It's just absurdly stupid that that is the case. Um, and then what that meant for the game, it almost made the game pointless because you're just like, the people, the thousands of people who went there, especially the older ones, they'll be linking back to Hillsborough and stuff like that. And then you're thinking, this has already had a half an hour delay. Robert, you mentioned on your part, some of the players might have heard about their fans. So like Robbo had friends and family get affected by it. Matip's um, brother's wife, who was pregnant or something, got caught up in it. So I do I do think that had a, had an effect on, uh, effect on the game, but it just almost felt made the game feel dead. 
pointless. A secondary, right? Secondary. Yeah, absolutely. Because you just felt if we won, we'll celebrate it and stuff like that. It'll be it'll be marked the couple of days after. Everyone will go to the parade, everyone will be happy, but the day after it'll be like, What the fuck are you doing, France? Sort your shit. And we saw I think we saw the same in a rugby game this weekend. Um but we lost and my first thought wasn't, Oh no, we've lost the Champions League like it was in Kiev. It was like those horrid bastards. Yeah. Horrid, horrid bastards. Like the game I wasn't I was bothered we lost, but it wasn't my first thought. It's so true because uh, obviously I'm in a group chat with uh, Harinda, Gags and Cam. And, uh, you know, uh, obviously uh, listeners will know that they were all in Paris, as so many mm-hmm. people were and so many of our contributors on AI were. And I just remember messaging them saying, you know what, the result's secondary, just get home safe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, it's just, you saw all of it, I think. Um, they did the old school the other day. I was walking the dog in the hill, which was a fun day, listening to stories of how, uh, I think it was Tom, how he basically got pepper sprayed. He was getting crushed and stuff like that. It's just like, it, it, this is France. This is the capital. I think it's Saint-Denis technically, not Paris, but it's basically the capital of France. How is it that bad? How is it that badly policed? It's almost scary, and I'm not surprised you've heard many people say, I won't go to European away games anymore, especially won't go to European Cup finals. Awful. Absolutely awful. Mm. Kids having to witness that, absolutely traumatised, you know. Um, it's absolutely disgusting and shame on, I think we've mentioned it before, shame on, uh, you know, the, the French government, the authorities and uh, UEFA as well. And, yeah, questions will be asked and they will have to provide the answers. I think uh, I think that'll be a lot of people, one of their worst moments. Um, and we've not, really spoke to any other podcaster yet but I think that that goes high in terms of um, a, a horrible feeling in terms of football right Guy we're going to take it back to a little bit of a positive now um, your player of the year if Guy Drinkle could present an award I think it, it I think it has to be more mm-hmm. it, like Alison was good for all of the season whereas more after AFCON he was still he was still good, but he wasn't more solid good. Yeah. But the level he reached pre-AFCON mm-hmm. was something we've not seen at this club since Luis Suarez was here. Yeah, Like, we've seen more Salah, the machine in front of goal where he, in, in his first season where he scored 40-odd goals. Um, and we've seen Salah kind of develop into a more rounded player where he does more creativity and stuff. But this season, it was a combination of the goal machine, the creator the dribbling around Man City, people like they weren't there. It's just the level he reached was something special. And I'm blaming AFCON for ruining that, <laughs> um, which is a joke, which will get me in trouble with Senegal people, apparently, according to Mana. Um, but yeah, it's the level he reached was just something special. And we'll probably come on to it on the transfer bit at the end, but more is probably priority number one for me this summer. Um, but yeah, more Salah for me. Like Allison's up there. I think Trent's up there. I like Joe Van Dyke shout. Fabinho kind of tailed off towards the end a bit, in my opinion, as well. But I think it's between Fatigue, more. Yeah. Yeah, towards the end, absolutely. I wasn't even judging them for who they were. Just like you mm-hmm. are probably absolutely spent. 
but yeah no i i think a lot of people will agree with the Salah shout and i think it's i think people will forget what kind of player he was before the afcon and, and obviously you know losing the afcon final mm -hmm. and then obviously egypt not making the world cup as well losing to senegal again you know i think those things probably really affect him because you know i think a lot of people kind of forget that what representing your country means to players from you know the african continent and you know there's a huge honor in it you know like we shouldn't disregard what it means to them and you know Mosala, i mean I mean, you look at the disappointment that he had when Egypt actually made the World Cup and he was injured for it because of what happened mm. in the Kiev final, you know? Um, <laughs> he's had a lot of them. Um, he's been quite unlucky with his national team. But yeah, for Liverpool, he has been absolutely sensational. And um, I love the fact that, you know, there was always that tweet going around for many years and even this season as well. Um, this player's done this and Oli Mo Salah has more. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oli like Mo Salah. It's just crazy to me, like, people still compare him to Hazard and stuff like that, but if he, st if he stays, and I think everyone wants him to stay, regardless yes. of people, angry people on Twitter, you're going to have to, people are going to have to, and not just, li not, not Liverpool fans, neutral fans are going to have to blow past the, the Hazard stuff. I'm not saying he's better than Thierry Henry and stuff like that, but we want him in conversations with Thierry Henry, and the only way he's going to be doing that is if he stays. And if he keeps this level... Yeah, we'll see. But he's he's blown. I think he's blown past people like Hazard for me. Absolutely. Like um, you, it's a shame you can't see my face right now, but it's screwed up. Like how you know, like the disrespect that he gets from opposition fans. He doesn't get the respect, does he? Um, no, you know, he just not. does not get the respect, and I don't know why that is. But whatever, you don't have to respect him. He'll just keep delivering the goods because for some reason, he's always in the conversation for, you know, the golden boots, the best player of the season. But by all means, you guys ignore him. <laughs> it's all Absolutely. good. It's crazy. It is crazy. It's just, it, it, I think it is a Liverpool thing because Trent can't defend, Van Dijk's finished, Moore's not as good as Eden Hazard, whatever. It's it's weird that we've, we're the only team who can compete with Man City though, isn't it? Absolutely. And yeah. I could not agree more. And I'm with you. Um, uh, you know, I would like Mosala at the club because um, he is absolutely sensational. Right, Guy Brinkle, a personal one for you now. AI podcast that you've enjoyed listening to or you've enjoyed hosting. You've kind of alluded to it. I'm a little bit intrigued as well. So um, uh, give us the backstory, set the scene. I'm going to have a sip of my tea whilst you talk. Right, my favourite one is, again, it's my favourite game, is the FA Cup semi-final. And the reason is, I got to host Trev, Ooh. which is rare. Like, has anyone ever ever heard Trev be a guest on a podcast before? I think he's done it once with John Buskell, and I think that is it on AI. So I'm all for that. So I was the honoured guest uh, host to be able to do that, and obviously Dave was there. So I got to host, I think they call themselves Navin Squared. So the fact that, I got to host Dave on a cup thing, which was honour in itself because he couldn't be bothered with the cups. But to have Trez, Trev as a guest, and obviously he's, a, well, he's the best host in the business, let's be honest. Mm -hmm. um, but to get him as a guest and the way he can talk about the game, and obviously his voice is basically just island personified. <laughs> um, it, it, it was really great. And it was on Discord. It was fun. I think everyone enjoyed uh, the two Irish lads and the interaction there and, and the game itself. We mentioned that there, the, the fact that we played so well, it, it just allowed them both to wax lyrical and, and 
I did my best trying to hold it together, but when you've got Dave there, who kind of takes over shows on his own, but Trevor's kind of backseat hosting as well. It was almost the easiest podcast to host as well. I love it. And yeah, uh, Trev, yeah, he's a, he's a phenomenal host. But, you know, those, those guys, you know, coming out for, uh, you know, the, 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 it's the FA Cup semi-final, right? So, you know, them yeah. guys coming out, you hosting them. And, you know, you have a really, really great chemistry with them anyway because you do a lot of the Raw podcasts. I know you, mm-hmm. you, you produce and record the, the AI Scouted. So um, uh, did you feel like you had to kind of – because one thing I've noticed with, like, Trev – is when I listen to the Raw podcast, which is also a phenomenal podcast, by the way, I love listening to it, but he kind of sets the scene for each minute that kind of mm. played and the key moments. Were you, was there pressure on you to kind of up your hosting game or did you just let it just naturally organically happen? I don't think I've got a word in it, to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I had my notes, it was like minute one, way good, yeah. minute seven, way good. And then it's kind of, I forgot to take notes because I was just watching the game. And then when I come to Trev, he's like, oh, did you miss this? Minute two, minute three, minute four. I'm like, well, you hosted that, Trev. <laughs> um, but no, he kind of just kept me in line. It, as I said, it was really easy with Trevor. I think yes. the first thing he said on the pod was, I made backseat hostless, and then a two seconds later, we spoke over each other. And that's kind of how it went, but it was it was in such a fun way. But yeah, if we have another big cup run again uh, and get to the later stages, which I hope we can, we do. Yes. Um, not at the detriment of the Premier League or Champions League, which I'm sure many would prefer to win, but... It'd be great to, to get them back together because uh, for the FA Cup final, uh, Dave was on holiday or busy. I can't remember what he was doing, but uh, not to badmouth Stephen, who who was on. Um, but it, it was really fun um, hosting them too, and it was it was it was so easy, as I said. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. We we love that, and uh, long may it continue. Uh... Yeah, and you and you got Trev as a as a guest as well, like you said, so you can be smug there in your little absolutely. Seat. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's not every day, but yeah, those two guys—they're all excellent. Um, right. I call it silly season, but we have to address it. And I kind of touched on, you know, this subject myself. It's something that I don't like to really get too involved in because I truly believe that we'd never know what Liverpool are doing. They are quite a tight ship, which is quite a good thing. So transfer window, hopes and expectations, Guy. Uh, what, what do you expect from Liverpool this season? Where do you think they need strengthening? Obviously, I've spoken about what I think. Um, you know, what observations have you made from the season? I can't believe you don't have Paul Joyce on notifications, Nina. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I know. I just, I just, I love the fact that he'll tweet, and I have to check it to make sure yeah. it's a legit one. It's lit. Apart from the transfer season, it's literally him retweeting someone else's article, and then like, oh, and then just transfer season, you're just like, oh my god, it's Paul Joyce. Um, but no, in in terms of well, hopes. I mean, I, I alluded to it earlier. My my main thing is is get more signed up, like. If we were getting Mbappe or if we went in for Haaland or whatever, yeah, you could refreshen the team with one of the best of the next generation. But we were never paying 700, 600 grand a week to to them two um, and not making Mbappe a sporting director, manager and president of whatever, Qatar or whatever. Um, So, yeah, get more signed up (laughs) because... He's shown once he's rested, once he's 100% fit, 
he's one of the best players in the world. Obviously, it wasn't the story by the end of the season, but we mentioned he played every single minute and AFCON destroyed him because he played 120 minutes four or five times. Um, so get him signed up. I don't care about arguments about wage structure. I don't care. I really don't care. If he wants 300, 400 grand a week, he's earned it. It's not a new signing. It's not like we've bought Paul Pogba and given him 300 grand a week to be a lazy prick for Man United. This is a lad who we bought pretty cheap for about 30 to 40 million, if I remember correctly. Mm. And he's had, I think he's had two wage increases since then. I know he gets bonuses and he gets loads of money. But when when people on, you see it on Twitter, you see it on TikTok, yada, 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 you see it, more Salah and Sadio Mane are paid less than this list of 20-odd people. And then you see crap names like, you see David De Gea on there. Like, David De Gea yeah. is a good person. He's a goalkeeper. Mm. He's not even the best goalkeeper in the league anymore. You saw Paul Pogba on it. You see Jack Grealish on there. It's like... How? It's a yeah, it's it's a base wage, whatever. They've probably been earning more money than them, but a base wage guarantees it and almost makes it a reality. So I think we just have to give them the base wage. Maybe we give them less bonuses. But the way they play, they're getting the bonuses anyway. Just give them the base wage. It, it, it just make we just gotta sort it. And obviously people make the same argument for Sadio, but he seems more set on leaving, which is obviously a different Moore's always said he wants to stay. He might change, obviously, but Mane seems set on leaving. I think other journals have said he probably wanted to leave a bit sooner, which is a bit of a shame. But, yeah, the buying stuff's not going away. So I think priority has to be replacing Mane uh, as the number nine. And similarly to what you said, I kind of want a proper number nine, but Mane did well there. But at the same time, I was watching it and thinking, I miss peak Bobby Firmino. So yeah. I'm kind of flip-flopping. Do we need the proper nine or do we need to find, well, Unkunku is probably the one who's been linked, who is that midfielder slash forward type person. So I'm kind of edging more towards the, the false nine link-up player because I want to see I want to see more back to his best. And I think his best, to be fair, was probably with Jota this season, which is strange, but I think his best overall was was with Bobby. And it excites me to see what Diaz could do with a player like that as well. So mm-hmm. if it's unconcu or whatever, or we just find a time machine and whack Bobby in it, whatever works for me. But yeah, I think priority is more um, than finding a Mane replacement and then addressing the midfield because Naby's on the last year of his deal. There's been a, the odd rumour about a new deal for him. Uh, Hendo he's obviously in a new deal um, but he is getting I think he's 32 Milner's this... got a year am I right in thinking Milner's got a year it, yeah no he was expiring but um, Paul Joyce reported last night he's got a new deal so yeah. it looks like Milner's staying um, so maybe just one younger midfielder not younger but well it is younger but better than <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm talking over myself here but we were linked with many. we want someone who's young and ready rather than compare it to Jones, who's young and probably do with a loan. Um, so, yeah, if we get a bit younger in the team as well, but a first-team striker and a midfielder, that could build into a bit, basically Canate in midfield. That's probably what we're looking for. Nice, I like it. Just subtle adjustments, right? Nothing yeah. Nothing big and not, awful. Not 12 people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not reactionary like that because I think that kind of, for me, 
this season kind of signaled that we're we're great, but we could just do with a little bit more adjustments and a Absolutely. few more, you know, a few more, you know, quality players in there just to kind of five subs next season as well. So we'll get to see more of Harvey and Curtis and stuff like that. Yeah, which which will be really exciting and also really really great for their development as well. You know, um, to see them getting some minutes as well. Guy, next season, what are your hopes and expectations? I mean, we kind of know who the front runner is and what we're dealing with and we know what they've done in the transfer window you've obviously you, you spoke about it on on my section of the pod so we need to address this now what are Liverpool going to do Liverpool have played every single game that was humanly possible this season which is crazy in itself and credit to them uh so what are you feeling what are you hoping the league title the champions league what oh. do you think Klopp has set up <laughs> as, a, as an objective I think his objective is always to win one of them. <laughs> I think let's let's put it this way. I think the ob- you've got top le- top level win both of them, and then compete for both of them. I think we have to win one of them. I think the way we t- the way Liverpool fans and some pundits and stuff talk about the team, it's it's almost close to becoming the best team that didn't succeed what it should have done. And it's almost at that stage anyway, but we have to win. Like I, I said it in, in, in the earlier bit, we fell in back in love with the domestic cups. Like if we went on and won the League Cup next year, but the FA Cup kind of got put aside, put on the side again because it takes more of the season up, I'd be kind of all right with that as long as we won the Premier League or Champions League. I think we have to win one of them because we don't have the pots that this team deserves. Like, Man City in the league, whatever. They've had the best squad for all this time. This season's probably the closest it's been. But the Champions League's our tournament. If we get to a final and lose, fair enough, especially if it's against Real Madrid, because they just don't lose finals. But we need to be... I think we just need to win one of them. And I don't want to say acceptable, because that's basically been a bit of a bell end. but we just need to win one of them to do this team justice. So I'm, I'm just going to say win one of them. Do you have a preference? Would you like it to be 20 for Liverpool or would you like number seven? Well, the Champions League final is in Istanbul. So that is fun. But we do need more Premier Leagues because it's still a bit of a meme. So I'd say Premier League, but once it gets to the end of next year, the Champions League is just special, isn't it? Once it gets to quarterfinals and semifinals, you see their mad games. He'll, I'll end up saying Champions League, but I'll say Premier League now because it's not there. But I'll say Premier League. Cool, I like it. Well, Guy Drinkle, thank you so much. Um, really enjoyed that little chat, and uh, it's it's mad because obviously we record. I I gave my answers first, and I'm looking at yours, and you know you want to copy someone's notes, and I'm like, damn, <laughs> why did I say that? But yeah, it just goes to show what a what a remarkable season the Reds have had, and just you know how great they've been and um, I'm really really intrigued to see what um, the rest of the some of our contributors and podcasters have to uh, say and share on this pod as well right guys uh, thank you so much for listening this is going to be like a little series uh, so yeah um, uh, keep your ears open and we will be back soon with uh, some more excellent guests till next time take care and up the reds We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. 
but there's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.